0: Welcome everyone into the aftershock. We are getting going here. Robert Jonas is live from PayPal Park. Alex Morgan is not from PayPal Park, but uh, he is live too. So uh, we're going to break everything down for you all, but we're sure you have a lot of feedback on this one. Guys, second straight home game where the Quakes get a point, down two goals, things look pretty dire. They start off in a rough patch, turn it around in the second half with a youth infusion today. Um, You know, Robert Jonas, I'm going to kick it to you first. You were there live at the stadium. How did the whole thing feel to you going down in real time?
1: Yeah, it was, a, uh, it was entertaining. And I think, Alex, I saw your uh, tweet say the same thing. You know, if I paid money to watch this game and I was sitting here in the stadium, I, I walk out happy. It's one of those, you know, kind of emotional lifts that you get. You know, when the, uh, the penalty uh, against the Quakes uh, allowed... Uh, Austin to take that 2 nothing lead, You definitely felt some rumbling. I don't think a lot of folks in the audience agreed with that penalty call. And so there was a little bit more kind of urgency, a little more energy coming out of the crowd. And then seeing uh, a couple of those fresh uh, fresh young players come in, these teenagers coming in and making a difference, it you know, really elevated the crowd. You know, Francisco Calvo racing up there, uh, I kind of joke, maybe you should be a forward, not a center back, you know, to keep things excited. And uh, they almost pulled it off. That last 20 minutes was, uh, you know, entertaining. You know, maybe not effective, but entertaining.
0: I'm on mute. Entertaining seems to be the right word. Alex, how did it feel to you uh, watching from the comfort of, I think, your dorm room there?
2: <laughs> yeah, Jim. And look, it was, a, it was a fun one. And for all the faults about the Quakes, and there are many, they are actually a pretty dangerous team from these attacking set pieces. That's how they scored all of their goals so far this season. Uh, You get a penalty from Jeremy Oboese. It's good to finally see him uh, get a goal on the score sheet. You have that chance from Cade Cowell that he puts in the back of the net. You had Francisco Calvo also almost score from a corner kick. That could have been, uh, easily could have been a, a third goal for the Quakes. And so this was a fun finish. On the other hand, I don't really think they fixed many of the systemic issues that we've been talking about. For large sections of this game, they had no energy, no plan, no momentum going forward. They're passing the ball for the sake of passing. And it was quite boring. And I was ready to come on this show and, uh, and you know deal another <laughs> pessimistic uh, uh, postgame show. Uh, but there, there are positive uh, moments from this one as well. I thought uh, Nico Sakaris was really good. Uh, in the midfield he's only 16 years old but he was really bossing the midfield uh, when he came in he had the cross that um, uh, Buda uh, won the penalty from Uh, he also put a shot on target uh, which is saying something for the San Jose Earthquakes team because they haven't been putting shots on target Uh, so he immediately came onto the field and injected some energy into that team And, and that's a positive thing to take away from this game.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of fans are joining us from their cars on the way home. And if that's you, if you are rushing out of the stadium or you're putting it on your phone on your way to get to your car, we really do appreciate everyone joining us here today uh, after a game like this. I'm sure it's a little bit crazy. People are staying to the final whistle uh, to be able to make it. But thank you to all the fans and those who are bringing their comments, both positive and negative into the chat, we appreciate all of them. Yeah, it was uh, quite interesting. In fact, uh, you know, I one of my uh, kind of news sources for looking at post game information here, Fat Mob. If people want to uh, check this type of thing out, gives us a little bit good uh, a good sense for kind of how this went down. In the end of the day, I, this felt like the Quakes reverting to some sort of 2019 form. In fact, we've kind of been asking for that. To be quite quite fair about it, 17 total shots. Uh, which is quite a bit more than they had been generating. Uh, 11 of those are on target uh, and only two of those blocked. So that's not horrible. Plus 12 from inside the box. Like that's a huge difference from what we had been seeing uh, in the previous games. And then if you take a look over here at the expected goals, uh, totals uh, 2.66 and that includes uh, 0.79 is what FOTMOB gives it for a penalty. I usually say it's more like 0.75 in MLS. Um, and uh, so, but uh, but so, take away a little bit of that, a little bit under two expected goals uh, from the run of play and the set pieces, and about uh, about one and a half there uh, for uh, for Austin FC. So uh, we can come back and refer to that as much as we need to, Jens. But the quick thing that I noticed in the first half was how much it felt like they were going to find a way to get the ball through Christian Espinoza. And let's be honest, we'd been saying that when the Quakes had been successful back in 2019 and the offense was clicking, there was a lot of play through Christian Espinoza. But ultimately, it was not the play through Christian Espinoza that got them back in this game. They actually subbed out Christian Espinoza before both of the goals had been scored. And one of the things I had noticed was that when they did switch over to Espinoza, he was on a bit of an island. He was over there by himself. In fact, I put out a pass map at halftime that basically showed... There was nobody over there with him connecting to them uh, all that much. It was just like, hey, give it to Espinosa and let him control the show, which is not really what worked in 2019. One of the things that they had is that overlapping fullback in Nick Lima and a lot more support to that side, whether it was Vaco, whether it was uh, someone like uh, uh, Erickson who would get over there and, and play with him. And what we actually saw after the subs happened was a lot more play on that right side but now you had a lot more interchanging going on. Tommy Thompson was getting into the attack over there, um, you know, on that side. And, and, and the, the youngsters brought a good bit of energy uh, in there. And so it was, it, was, um, it was a game plan that felt kind of intended to try to take advantage of that. But one of the things that the Quakes weren't trying to take advantage so much was Nick Lima. He was at fault for the penalty uh, that, that the Quakes got. And I would have been asking like, look, Nick Lima is not that good at defending in the box. He's great one V one on the outside. You know, he's good. If you want to like, uh, you know, play one, you know, make sure that that guy doesn't uh, get forward and, and, uh, and he gets those one V one situations, but you know, in the box, we'd seen him time and time again, kind of lose his Mark or the market behind him and things like that. And that's exactly what a sunny Buddha. Was able to do to be able to get that penalty. People are talking about Asundi Buddha as being the spark plug, or one of the spark plugs, along with Shakira's here. Robert Jonas, you know, what did you see from from the youngsters tonight when they came on? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was a, it was an impressive display, especially energy energy wise. Um, you talked about sort of the positional changes that were going on. I mean, when Tommy Thompson came in, you also saw uh, Jackson Ewell sort of pull back a little bit and, and become more of that center back, and that again allowed you know Thompson, I think, more space up the wing. You know, they weren't afraid to use it. You saw Cade Cal, another one of the youngsters, you know, sort of become a little less leashed to the left side of the field, and was starting to become more of a second forward. Him and Jeremy were sort of you know taking turns, you know, really kind of pushing the uh, the center backs back for Austin, and so you know that uh, that together uh, was was uh, a couple of I think key changes. You know, Kade, uh, you know, I think arguably could be your man of the match. You know, given just the the input he put in, especially in that last you know 20 minutes, getting the goal and, and really setting this team up to try to get the winner. So you know the the youth, yeah, the the under 20s, if you will, uh, you know, really shined. You know, you mentioned Nico and, and Alex, you too. You know, doesn't look like a 16 year old when I see him out there. I'm always impressed when uh, when he when he takes the ball. So kind of. Like when we saw Cal for the first time, we're like, huh, teenager. OK, you know, so uh, you know, if he keeps getting uh, more and more of these opportunities, getting uh, takes advantage of his minutes, you know, maybe we see more and more of him as the summer wears on. So, uh, you know, I think the fans are excited to see that new blood take the field. Uh, I kind of teased them, he said that, you know, the kids are all right. And they kind of felt that way. They, they really put on a good show there at the end.
0: Yeah. And Alex, let me uh, let me kind of set it up for you here, because uh, go, go ahead. If you want to chime in on the youngster part. Why don't you do that? But I got a question I want to tee tee up for you here.
2: Well, look, I was surprised. I saw the substitutions as uh, Matias Almeida throwing in uh, the the white flag because he's talked about in the past that he doesn't see Sakaris Buda, or or those younger guys as players who can make a significant impact uh, this season. But uh, I I think that they've proved him wrong because oftentimes in these last four four or five games, they've been the the, the brightest players for, for San Jose. Uh, So uh, I'm I'm happy with the progression that they've shown Um, and also concerned about how that reflects on the starting lineup, I think, because we're seeing some comments here in the chat about how Gregoriusz, Montero, uh, Jackson Ewell and that starting midfield were not impressive. And I I think that uh, midfield is still a huge area of weakness. Quite frankly, it feels like the Quakes are most dangerous when they're bypassing the midfield, when they're playing balls over the top. To Christian Espinosa. That's how he had a good chance in the first half when they're whipping balls into the box and playing through the wings. Uh, but the, uh, the the midfield itself and the ball movement in the midfield has not been sorted out yet. They're not connecting well enough with with Jeremy Obobese yet. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, they're turning me uh, into like a Jose Mourinho kind of uh, commentator in, 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 in that sort of uh, mindset, because uh, it feels like uh, they should be sitting deeper, dropping off, and and launching these balls over the top and playing on the counter attack, and and playing in transition because the possession that they have is just not dangerous enough. Whenever they get possession in uh, the you know opposition half, I my eyes kind of glaze over because I am completely. Uh, sure, that nothing is going to come of that. That they haven't been able to break teams down with the ball and move the ball through the the midfield, and so uh, that's that's concerning to me. I, I still don't think those those midfield issues are figured out, Jim.
0: Yeah, hey, we we uh, we have a couple di- couple uh, different comments here. Uh, Gregorius Montero not impressive. John Jay says that they were fine. Um, I, there were some times that uh, Montero I thought did a pretty good job helping to win. Balls back. I think what we they kind of mean is that in open play, they're not the ones creating uh, any sort of danger in the chances. But uh, but actually gave them both pretty high ratings for the game. You know, Robert. uh, You know, we're we're sometimes only seeing what the television tells us. You know, what did you see from that central midfield today?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, you know, kind of like to Alex is saying, you know, when and we saw it up here in the press box, you know, whenever the the Quakes took advantage uh, and quickly got the ball out field, you know, that vertical passing, you know, that's when. That's when you saw the plays develop, you know, when the midfield was sort of batting the ball around a little bit more and, and holding possession, and they did have the possession numbers in their favor. Again, it just felt like it uh, just let Austin sort of sit back, wait, you know, keep their lines organized, and just you know, you know, be ready to uh, to you know pounce when they finally did enter the attacking third. So, being able to to more kind of actively get those vertical passes, uh, you know, off would I think go a long way to to sort of visually making that midfield look. You know like they're a bit more into the game as opposed to just padding the stats with the uh sort of the simple passing that was going on so to me that's a that would be a really sort of a positive development to see these guys uh take if uh, if they can you know take advantage of that space when they had it on the wing, then I think you'll see a lot more of those opportunities coming again much more run of play opportunities and and guys you know getting open space because they're able to run into it.
0: Yeah, I mean you, you mentioned the passing, the the earthquakes. And again, I'm just uh looking at some of the stats here. 489 passes to 283 passes, 83% accuracy to the 78. There was a lot of passing today, some of it dangerous, some of it not. It it felt at the in the end to me that there was more of a game plan and a purpose to the passing today. And what I mean by that, Alex, is that Sometimes you play short in order to go long. And it felt like a lot of the passing, you know, had the intention of being able to switch the play after they pulled Austin, you know, in uh, to a situation, you know, where they thought maybe they would have an overload and then quickly be able to get that back across some of that in the first half was obviously going to, to Christian Espinoza, but in the second half, there was a little bit more variety to it. And to Robert's point, there was a lot more of the vertical passing that had been missing. And what I like to say is progressive passing. And, you know, it creates a lot of danger and we didn't really uh, we hadn't seen enough of that in the last couple of games. We saw a lot more of those progressive balls tonight. I'm looking forward to getting into my data after American soccer analysis gets their update Alex, but what did you feel tonight about the passing? You were kind of hemming there a little bit. So I'm interested to know what your thoughts are. I, I don't
2: think they figured it out yet. And I, I think a big problem is that they're not getting the ball into Jeremy Ibbose. Uh He feels disconnected still. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I think that uh, it's been tough for Montero also because, you know, he had that red card. So he kind of missed two games uh, and he didn't have time to gel uh, in the midfield, but, uh, it still feels like they haven't figured it out, uh, in, in the first half, there was not enough vertical passing. Uh, there was not enough interplay in the midfield. And in the second half, there was a lot more of that, but that's, uh, I think in large part, because of the game phase and the, the game situation, it's easier, uh, to, to, I think, uh, create those vertical passes in the later phases of the game when, when legs are tired and, uh, you know, they have more momentum. Uh, but I don't think they they're taking enough initiative uh, in doing that uh, themselves from the get go. And ultimately, that's what they're going to need to do in order to resolve their issues. They're going to need uh, to play more on the front foot to to really take a hold of these games. Because right now, it still feels to me like they're playing too reactively, uh, and they're not uh, you know insisting uh, their way of playing on the game.
0: Yeah, there's uh, there's certainly some fair points there about uh, Jeremy Abobizy, uh, Robert, and uh, you know again, you're you're able to see what the television isn't showing, uh, in terms of maybe the the off the ball runs and such like that. But one of the things that was true over the previous four games is that there was a total of four times that a progressive ball had found uh, had found uh, uh, Jeremy Abobizy in the box, and. Of those, three of those actually turn into a low probability shot. So four is not enough of a number uh, to be able to get your striker going in that particular area. Um, I today I I try to watch a lot of his runs as much as possible to try to see where he was going, and it did feel there was a lot of runs kind of into similar areas, into the central areas. When we talked to Jackson Yule midweek, he said, "No, it's on us. We're not giving him the service." And look, the service wasn't great tonight, but what, what are you seeing from Jeremy Obobese in terms of, of of live play? Is this the players not getting the ball to Jeremy or is it Jeremy not getting himself to where he needs to be to be able to create the opportunities from your
1: perspective? yeah you see a lot of times you know when forwards are starved for service or you want to get into the action, they keep drifting further and further and further back, and suddenly they're another midfielder and and to to jeremy's credit you know he's you know holding up you know, the line. He's keeping up that forward line when he was playing as the lone striker and, and later in the game as they started pushing for more bodies forward, he was still uh, yeah, up there. Instead of trying to, you know, create too much himself, he was still waiting a lot of times to see that midfield get him the pass and, and the like. So, I don't know, you know, it's uh, it's it's one of those uh, kind of, I think, a conundrum for a forward. I imagine he's probably told by the coaching staff not to uh, drift too far back. He needs to stay up there and keep the defense stretched. But at the same time, you start to get a little frustrated that you're not part of the action um i will say this i know it was a penalty goal but you know getting his first goal of the season for a player that's you know just appears to be you know very motivated and very kind of con- confident uh you know being a big part of his game yeah i think that's something that quake's fans should be pretty excited about you know Jeremy scoring and jeremy feeling confident is something this quake's team is going to need
2: but i do want to zoom out here a little bit just because i think we should have much higher expectations of this team, because these players are all players who have proven track records of success in Major League Soccer. Montero in Philadelphia was one of their best players, was always creating, always, you know, getting assists and getting on the score sheet. Gregorius was a DP in Minnesota, one of the players leading their midfield. Jeremy Obobese was one of the better attackers in Portland. These are all guys who we know can be producing at a really high level, who are capable of of being in playoff caliber teams. And so we should be expecting more of them. It's it's not good enough for me if they're not putting the ball in the back of the net two, three times a game. They still haven't created a single goal from open play. And that's still just an abject failure to me. And, and I think still the, the blame for that ultimately lies in in Matias Almeida because he's not creating a system uh, around which, in which these players can succeed. And he's not getting the best out of them. I, I see some comments here talking about the, the roster and, and and being pessimistic about the the, ca- the the quality of the roster. I don't doubt the quality of this roster. I still think and still maintain that this roster has the quality to make the playoffs. I just don't think they're being put in the right situation by Matias Salmeida right now. And I, I want to reserve a lot of judgment about the players. I don't want to throw Jeremy Obobese under the bus. I don't want to throw Jackson Ewell under the bus. I don't want to throw Gregush under the bus because I think that and they're capable of producing a lot more both as individuals and collectively right now than they are because Matias Almeida is not putting them in the right system.
1: Well, and adding to that, you know, I mean, I know game circumstances are very different when you're down two nothing, you know, but you know, when they gave Obobese that help, you know, when Cal was playing more as a forward, when you had guys, you know, kind of pushing more into the space and keeping the center backs occupied, you know, Jeremy did have opportunities seemed to come back a little bit more for the ball. He made one run in my notes that, you know, I, I was exceptional enough to to uh, to sort of note out. You know, when he did come back about 30 yards from goal, made a few dribbles into space after receiving the pass, and you know didn't lead to anything. But that was something we weren't seeing a lot when he was sort of forced to be the the solo forward. So maybe Alex, to your point, you know, if we can uh, you know see out you know see uh, Mateus Almeida kind of use Obi see more, maybe with a partner, maybe just a little more you know attacking help that frees him up to be just a a little, you know, a little less constrained, you know, again, it feels like he is being asked to stay up top as much as possible. And and that might be something that you got to put on the coaches, not the players. And
2: and look, I think this, this result, them being able to scrape a a draw definitely gives Matias Almeida a little bit more time to try to figure out uh, a lot of these issues. But the bottom line is that the Quakes are now still in last place. Uh, They have two points out of five games and uh, their last place in the Western Conference and uh, you know tied on points with Inter Miami in the Eastern Conference uh, they need to start getting results urgently uh, or else uh, you know, Chris Leach in the, the front office are going to have tough decisions to make.
1: And I might add at home too. I mean, that's, you know, that's seven out of nine points they've dropped here at PayPal Park, you know, too dramatic and exciting. And, and you know, you, you go to the parking lot pretty happy after the late comeback draws, but that's, you, know, you don't draw at home and lose on the road to make the playoffs. You win okay. at home and draw on the road to make the playoffs.
2: I, I think this one feels good now because it feels like the Quakes kind of nicked one there. Uh, but I think you look back on this game in, in four or five days or in, in, three, four weeks, and you realize that this was really a stretch in which the Quakes need to be picking up points.
0: It's, it's two points dropped because you have to win your home games in, in, major league soccer, and then you can go get that road point and a, and a couple road wins and endure a few, uh, road losses. That's what successful teams do. Playoff teams do in MLS is they win their games at home. And that's what the Quakes aren't doing right now. Um, And uh, I I think uh, Kyle's point here, I wanna come back to this real quick because for me, this was the first real game of the season. And I think for someone like a Jeremy Bobacy, this was the first real game of the season. And the reason that the connection didn't happen today is because they haven't been put in a situation where those connections can happen in the previous game. So now in effect, you're trying to put something in place you should have had in place in the very first game of the season, and now you're putting it in in the fifth game of the season, and now it's going to take a game or two to be able to start to really kind of put, I think, some of these connections that are being missed together for the very first time of the season because you've had two games where that front part has been completely starved of being able to, to get into the attack. And the thing that we're... We're still not quite seeing enough of, in my opinion, is you got a lot of pace up top. I still feel like the quicks are trying to break down defenses with passing instead of playing quickly out of transitions and being able to create opportunities. And I did note a couple situations where they probably should have been, you know, on the break. And then one of the central midfielders slowed the play down and
3: controlled the. I think we might have lost Jamin there. Have we lost Jamin?
1: He's really contemplating that thought there. Yes, I think it's a it small and antibiotic. I, oh,
2: I think we are starting the All press right, conference. Like though, no. so we will be back.
0: You're starting the press conference? All right. looks like we are about to start the press conference. Not quite there. Robert, maybe you and I can can keep things going here for, for just a minute. You know, what did you think of, uh, of positionally you know, where they put uh, players tonight. No Benji Kanovic, obviously still, still no Nathan, or this week we heard uh, uh, Jackson, you calling him Nathan. So maybe we're not saying it the right way or Nathan or it was something along those lines. So maybe we're not saying his name, right. But uh, you know, Robert, if you're still able to hear me, if you haven't switched fully over to the press conference yet, you know, what were your thoughts in terms of positionally how they set up tonight?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so the press conference is going, so you might try to refresh the screen there. Um, but i think uh, to your point and once we get over there we'll 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 see how it goes the uh, the, the the key for me was uh, you know t- to your question is you know... hold on a sec
4: eh, estudiado bien al rival Y todo lo que habíamos tirado lo vimos y lo corregimos en el entretiempo. Muchas veces estábamos a un, a un metro más lejos de lo que deberíamos estar y eso es conceder mucho arriba.
5: Many in the defensive phase, when we did things the right lot, for moments.
4: Ahora, eh, son, eh, y, bueno, trata, también, ¿no?
5: And I think every goal we've conceded, we could have avoided it, it comes um, from our own mistake. We always correct things and work on it and talk about it, but uh, that's football.
6: Thank you, Matthias. Next question from Jamin Moore.
5: Unmuted.
0: Hi, mm-hmm. Matias. Thank you for uh, joining us uh, today. Uh, I guess congratulations on the comeback. You uh, you played uh, some young players that brought some spark in the second half, and we talked before how they weren't ready to, to make a start, but you really had a statement performance from players like Aseni Buda tonight and uh, Nico t- uh, Shakiras. Uh, what were your thoughts in terms of their performance when you asked them to come on tonight and helping the team get back into the game?
5: Thank you. Muted. Hubo buenas actuaciones de los jóvenes que cuando entraron dieron otra chispa al equipo. En el pasado hablamos como eh, dijiste que por ahí no están listos para jugar de titular, pero hubo algunas eh, actuaciones destacadas de Nico y de Buda. ¿Qué pensaste de sus actuaciones en el segundo tiempo?
4: Bien, los felicité delante de sus
5: compañeros. I
4: Soy un entrenador que le que le gusta ganar, como le he declarado un montón de veces.
5: I'm a coach who likes to win, as I've said many times.
4: Somos un cuerpo técnico, que nos gusta ganar.
5: We're a coaching staff that likes to win.
4: Eh, y muchas veces eh, el triunfo no llega.
5: Many times we
4: don't get the win. Pero hay un montón de factores que para nosotros como cuerpo técnico nos
5: If uh, in the future anybody ever researches how many youngsters we uh, debuted throughout our time together as a coaching staff.
4: Es lo que hemos provocado en estos tres años que llevamos en en San José. Han debutado muchos
5: jóvenes.
4: Entonces, hablamos de resultados, obviamente nadie está contento con los resultados que que estamos
5: obteniendo. Pero
4: hay una parte positiva, por un lado, que aquellos que saben cómo están conformados los equipos de la MLS, MLS Saben que tenemos una diferencia con respecto a los demás equipos.
5: Entonces,
4: hay una parte buena que es la que nosotros vamos llevando a estos jóvenes a que se conviertan en jugadores de fútbol.
5: For them to
4: players, y considero que, por la experiencia que he tenido en otros lugares, como un ex jugador y como hoy día un entrenador, and now a coach, Eh, considero que a los jugadores hay que llevarlos de a poco. Y en ese paso vamos bien.
5: And in that step we're doing
4: well. eh, y me pone feliz verlos a ellos realizados, contentos.
5: Pero
4: bueno, sé que hay otras cosas que tenemos que
3: Robert Jonas.
1: This was another uh, exciting finish, uh, you know, another comeback to get a draw. And it seemed to be sparked by a lot of those young players coming in. You know, I know passion and emotion plays a a big role in the success of the team. You know, maybe uh, it doesn't always show up in the statistics. Um, When it comes to these young players, you know, they came in, they showed a lot of joy on the field. You know, do you feel that there's, you know, an opportunity to reward those players with more minutes, with more opportunities as you move forward this month?
5: Que si los chicos que entraron entraron muy bien, eh, y muchas veces eh, la estadística no demuestra la pasión y la alegría que puede tener algún equipo. Eh, si pensás que sería posible darle un premio a estos jugadores con eh, los jóvenes que entraron, dándole más minutos en el futuro,
4: bueno, nosotros nos jugamos el puesto como cuerpo técnico permanentemente.
5: Por
4: eso hablé antes de que fui jugador. That's why previously I spoke about being a former player. Y cuando salí de un club eh, que se llama River Plate. And I, when I left the club
5: called uh, River
4: Plate, que es un club formador,
5: which is a club that develops players.
4: Debo asegurar que vi una cantidad de jugadores que eran muy buenos y los quemaron.
5: I can assure you that there I saw a lot of good.
4: formándose Y cuando van entrando en estos minutos que les doy,
5: and when in in these I've them.
4: van tomando esa confianza, que más de una vez lo he dicho, el día que tengan 50 partidos jugados, bueno, el staff de Matías Almeida le habrá dejado 10 jugadores jóvenes de este club
5: that I as I always say once these youngsters have 50 games played in the first team Matias Almeida staff would give uh ends up giving San Jose 10 players these
4: chicos que debutan los vedores del mundo los ven
5: Because these kids that are debuting scouts all over the world are watching Entonces, them Entonces de
4: pasar de venir de una universidad pasan a tener una cotización importante en el mercado
5: and then they go from leaving a college draft now to playing professionally and they have an important value in the market
4: Entonces yo los voy a llevar
5: so I'm gonna I'm gonna manage that the way that I think is fit, and I hope to not make a mistake.
6: Thank you, Matthias. One final question in English from Abel and Hi Matias. thanks for taking the time to answer my question. Um, this is now the second game that you play without
2: chofis. I know that trophies is a player that you depend on a lot. Um, so,
3: how has the team accommodated
5: to being without
4: him and how do.? This es a really important player. ese jugador que el año pasado hizo 12 goles he's the player 12 goals last year. hizo hacer goles he guys score. entonces un jugador que tiene peligro so he's a dangerous player. Eh, las lesiones muchas veces tardan más de lo debido. Many
5: times the injuries take longer than they should porque se
4: respeta un protocolo because
5: a protocol has to be respected.
4: Nosotros tenemos tres jugadores importantes afuera.
5: We have three important players that are out. Uno es Nathan. One is Nathan,
4: otro es Choffy. El otro es Benji, and Benji. Y tenemos a Salina también lesionado hace mucho
5: tiempo.
4: Y para nosotros, esos jugadores son jugadores de experiencia en muchos casos. And us, many of those are players, y son jugadores que han marcado cosas importantes eh, cuando les ha tocado participar. Y
5: son jugadores que han hecho importantes cuando su turn de participar.
4: Nunca hay, nunca me justifico en, en estos detalles, I'm never making these details a justification. Pero sí hay que se que saber.
5: But there are realities that have to be known.
6: Thank you, Matías. We're going to take two questions in Spanish, starting with Hernaldo Moritz.
7: Gracias. Eh, buenas noches, Matías. Hernaldo Moritz de ESPN. Gusto saludarte desde México. Un par de preguntas. La primera es sobre Chofis, justamente, si tienes, entiendo que está en este protocolo que ya aclaras un poco, si tienes ya alguna fecha estimada y si has podido hablar con él, ¿cómo está? Porque sabíamos que estaba muy emocionado por por esta campaña, después de lo que había hecho, de haberse quedado en el club. ¿Cómo está él? Esa sería la primera. Y la segunda, aprovechando la ocasión, ¿cómo, cómo ves el tema del México-Argentina? Bueno, una voz autorizada tú, mundialista que conoces evidentemente a las dos selecciones y las dos ligas. Gracias, Matías.
4: La primera, si algo tengo, es que permanentemente estoy en en diálogo con todos los jugadores. Eh, Y obviamente con Chofi eh, es bastante especial el diálogo que tengo. Eh, Él ya esta semana pienso que va a estar. eh, Él está muy enfocado en en esto de, de participar y de entregar ese fútbol que nos caracteriza, caracteriza, que alegra. Entonces, bueno, en ese punto pienso que esta semana debería estar ya a disposición. Eh, La segunda pregunta, bueno, como argentino, mexicano, que me siento, digo que los dos van a pasar. Entonces, no hay que cuestionarse tanto, son dos grandes selecciones, con dos eh, grandes cuerpos técnicos, y lo que deseo que pase los dos y que es preferible que se encuentren en los grupos y no no después así que tengo dos selecciones ya la tiene la tiene hace un tiempo y México seguramente eh, la tendrá a partir de, de ahora eh, porque tiene con que Así que deseo de todo corazón que que los dos pasen. Van a pasar. Gracias,
7: gracias, Matías. Un abrazo.
4: Un
6: abrazo. Thank you, Matías. One final question from Paula Maruri.
4: Muy buenas noches, Matías. Quiero hablar, Paula Maruri. La pregunta es, ¿cuál fue la clave para cambiar el ritmo en la segunda parte del partido? Y ahorita ustedes se van a jugar fuera de casa. Eh, ¿Qué le gustaría cambiar y qué se lleva para Houston Dinamo? Muchas gracias. Bueno, nosotros creo que interpretamos mejor el partido en el segundo tiempo porque corregimos lo que habíamos hablado previo al partido, lo tuvimos que corregir en el entretiempo. Eh, el partido estaba controlado, pero obviamente ellos habían tenido al segundo disparo, nos hicieron un golazo por malas posiciones, por mala presión eh, y se podría haber evitado. Después tuvimos nuestras posibilidades, pero siempre necesitamos muchas posibilidades para concretar. Después, en el segundo tiempo, arrancó el partido con ese penal, eh, que no no, lo veo en el estadio, pero no lo veo muy claro. Y pudimos revertir la la situación de llegar a un empate con con paciencia, con tranquilidad, sin desesperarnos, más allá que estamos eh, necesitando triunfos, entonces valoro mucho de lo que hicieron los jugadores que se entrega la predisposición, la movilidad el juego, la paciencia eh, el convencimiento y si algo le está faltando uno de los puntos que le está faltando a estos chicos, es convencerse que pueden ¿no? porque nos estamos convenciendo que por una cuestión sin pensar muchas veces reaccionamos eh, para bien cuando estamos Eh, abajo en, en el marcador que ha pasado el, el, el empate que habíamos obtenido con un jugador menos entonces van cinco fechas en las cinco fechas si hago un análisis del juego no vi un equipo que haya superado a San José de terminar el partido decir la verdad nos superaron ampliamente No, nosotros hemos cometido errores defensivos que nos han costado goles es un punto que no le, no le hemos podido mejorar Y hoy el equipo recién atacó como atacaba habitualmente y no como en los últimos dos partidos. Entonces hay, hay hay cosas buenas y cosas que hay que seguir mejorando.
6: All right, thank you very much, Matías and Augustine.
4: Thank
3: you.
6: Really kind of touch, okay, okay, guys, we will be bringing in Jamiro Montero momentarily.
0: Okay, so everyone probably heard that. We are getting Montero shortly. If things were breaking up for you at times, I apologize. My computer is a little bit choppy tonight, but uh, it did hang in there this time. Robert, maybe you can help us out. Your Spanish is better than ours, uh, thanks to Duolingo, which uh, Tommy Thompson promoted uh, a couple times this week. Uh, give us just a quick like. What did you catch out of the couple Spanish questions at the end, if if anything?
1: Um, I wasn't paying as close attention as probably should have, but I think uh, you know there was a little bit of Mexico Argentina talk in there, of course, because that's uh, you know on the world stage. You know, we know that's going to be some exciting uh, World Cup draw that uh, we just witnessed uh, yesterday. Um, to Paula's question, it, it seemed there there was a lot of uh, kind of talk back to almost Alex's question. From what I could connect, to that you know, looking ahead to Houston, you know, he feels uh, you know there was prog- some progress made today, but he knows that there needs to be more progress ahead of the the game. Next Saturday, and uh, you know that uh, you know he wasn't uh, kind of into the details of it, but it did seem that uh, there was the acknowledgement that there is improvement that's necessary, which I would say is a, a good stock answer to to that kind of question.
2: I I actually think that that this press conference was unusually revealing to me at least because uh, of his 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 answer and his comment about the roster and how he approaches the youngsters and. He said, look, this roster is not uh, on the level of other MLS rosters. He doesn't think he has the resources necessary to compete with other MLS rosters, but he's focusing on developing the young players instead. And and that's what he's making his goal. And I think that that is, first of all, not true that the roster can't compete. I think the roster can compete. And I think the fact that he looks at it that way is to some degree a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, if the Quakes have a coach that doesn't believe in this roster and doesn't believe that this roster is capable of making the playoffs and instead is focusing his mental energy into developing the young players, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a team that is not going to make the playoffs, but is going to have a lot of really good young players. And it is nice to have a lot of very good young players, but I don't think that's what the fans want. I don't think the fans want a coach who is willing to give up on this team or who doesn't believe in the project that Chris Leach is building. And I think that disconnect there uh, is something that I took away from this press conference uh, or something that I saw in a a different light.
1: Well, he did say very clearly that, you know, you know, results matter, you know, for him and the coaching staff that, you know, he said our jobs are on the line. I think when I was asking him about, you know, why not play the youth more, might not, you know, reward the guys that you know put in a good performance, you know, so, you know, kind of going back to, okay, if he is, you know, I'm with you, Alex, you know, if it's results matter, then, you know, there should be a lot more concentration on those guys, those veteran improving guys. He has used the quote before. He has said that, you know, it takes 50 games for a youth player to sort of you know kind of reach the next level, or maybe for him at the level at which he feels more comfortable playing them. You know, but I, I feel that's also kind of limiting as well. You know, when when guys show, you should reward them, and um, and if they're able to prove that they can do a great job when you're two nothing up instead of two nothing down, then you know you should be uh, you know be able to you know have that opportunity to see these guys play. Yeah, you know, I think a, a winning team long term is you know what we would all love to see. You know, but I think you're going to see you know, probably a little more of that experimentation. I'd like to see a little more experimentation with some of these younger players when they're when they're hot. Let them try. Let them see what they can do. Um, I feel that, you know, you know, we don't give sometimes the youth enough credit that they can bounce back from a tough performance. If they've got a supporting staff behind them, then they should be able to go out there and fail and, and not feel like they're failures for doing so.
0: So there's a couple of Chafis questions in there, Robert. I don't know if you caught uh, the one that was in Spanish. Uh, Was there anything you caught there that was worth uh, sharing? It was from a reporter from ESPN Mexico.
1: It felt, uh, yeah, I think for Chofis, I think the message was that he feels he is an an extremely important part of this team and that, you know, the goals, the assists, the playmaking that he's he's seen out of him that we saw last season at times is something that he does feel, you know, puts the Quakes at a disadvantage. Um, So when he is available and ready to play, you're going to see him, I'm sure, get right back into the starting lineup. From what I'm told, that's not going to be next week. Uh, He'll probably be out another week before. He's really going to be able to get into games probably in two weeks' time.
2: Which is, yeah. I, I think, an unfortunate setback for Chofis because every game that he misses is another game where Montero and all these other players have an opportunity to prove themselves. And, and I think Chofis is at the stage in his Quakes career where he really needs to be putting in really solid performance and showing why he deserves to stay in San Jose. Because obviously the Quakes are going to have the decision whether or not to renew his contract uh, in a couple of months now.
0: Yeah, and let's, and let's take on uh, Brian's question here because specifically he's asking, is Chofis most likely gone in the summer his loan is only until then right and yes i mean from from everything that we know there has been no announcement otherwise i've had no uh, information from the club otherwise that loan ends at the end of june so you know when he comes back from injury he's going to have two months basically to make his case that that loan should be extended through the rest of the season or that he deserves a permanent contract. Now, last season, I wrote about this in preseason, his performance was that of a, uh, in effect, a $2 million uh, designated player in MLS, uh, a designated player that gets about $2 million of salary. That's what that performance is worth. But I think there were fair questions, and those questions still remain. Uh, can he repeat the performance of last year? And there have been criticisms that a lot of those goals, half those goals came in a bunch over basically three, four weeks of the season and that we didn't see that level of production throughout the entire season. And it took several weeks for him to get going. So I do have concerns. He's going to come back off an injury here. He's got to get back into the mix. And what does that do to today where we saw players playing in their natural positions? If Almeida then thinks that he needs to put both Montero and Shofis and Espinosa, you know, and Cade and, and, you know, onto the pitch at the same time, I'm I'm concerned we're gonna see a step back into an, a more unnatural uh set of positions uh with this roster. Guys, from what you see right now, uh Shofis, do you extend the loan or do you decide like, no, let's uh let's just do the Montero experiment uh for the rest of the season beyond that and uh like what we saw tonight in effect and see how it goes. Uh what do you think?
1: I'll start with that one. I think if you're able to to bring him in and have kind of a control over that contract situation, you're not giving him a lot of years, you know, even if you're gonna give him a, a good a good chunk of money, and and you know, I appreciate the kind of the the insights there, uh, Jamin, in terms of you know what a money value you can see for a Chofis. Um He probably slots in in the starting lineup for Cade Cal at this point if he were healthy. I'm sure Cade would have been on the bench, and uh, you know you still get to play with your other DP or DP level players and Montero and Gray Goose, and you know you could even say Jackson Ewell is making his ascension in that midfield. You know, but but I'm but I'm kind of more back to your your comment if I have to make the decision today if I'm Chris Leach, I'm i thinking, no, that's that's maybe a that's a, that's a lot of money to sink into a player that's not been reliable enough, giving you sort of Vaco numbers one week and and uh, I guess non-Vaco numbers. Uh, think think back to the many DPS who haven't produced for this team a, a following week. So you know that that consistency is something he needs an opportunity to show to see if he's worth it. There's still a lot of games to go uh, between now and uh, when that decision has to be made, but I can't make the decision today to bring him aboard.
2: Look, I I think the Quakes need a player like Choufi this season. They need a guy who can give them that spark in midfield, especially towards the later stretch of the season where they might be in need of some creativity. I think Choufi can do that, uh, and I think that if they get rid of Choufi, I want them to be to have a plan to, to bring in another uh, uh, another uh, attacking midfielder who can fill that role. So I think they need uh, somebody to fill that role this season. So if that means that you that you want to extend Trophies' deal or offer him like a six-month or year-long deal, that could be one way to go about it. Uh, Or you let him go and you have a a summer signing to replace him. But I don't think that they should let him go and then not replace him because you already hear Matias Almeida complaining about some of the lack of depth up front. So I think
3: they need somebody in that role. Uh, But whether it's Trophies or they replace him, I I still think he's up in the air.
0: Okay, my uh, sounds acting a bit uh, funny here again, but uh, I think I can jump back in here. So, uh, you know, uh, on the show feast thing, I, I think it, it hinges on the Almeida decision. If you believe that Matias Almeida is the coach of the future for this team, clearly he's going to want Chofice to stay around. Um, if 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 you believe by midseason, by the end of June, that you believe Matias Almeida. You're going to renew his contract and you're going to keep him around for another year. And let's say the team wins every game between now and then, OK, on the on the, on the positive side. If they win every game between now and then and you go like, yes, this is going great. We've turned this around. We think like the roster and Matias and everything is gelling. Shofisa scoring goals. You know, there's a chance, right, that that you might go like, hey, let's do this at least for another year. Let's bring let's bring back Shofis, Let's lock him in for uh, the rest of the season. You know, uh, let's let's extend the loan and let's bring him back for another season. But if you get to that end of June and you're pretty much thinking like we're not bringing back Almeida next year, we might finish the season, not bringing him back uh, next year. And for me, I don't see that it's going to make a lot of sense to bring Shofis back because I feel like a lot of his motivation, personally is invested in whether Matias Almeida is the coach any disagreement from from you guys
1: I mean that that's that bit of history that he brings with him, and and uh, you know com- again confidence plays a big role. And if you're not feeling like the coach is on your side, then it may be difficult to to replicate the the good performances that we've seen at times. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think that uncertainty around uh, Mateus plays a significant role. Um, if he is a true lame duck coach, and how long does that go on? Then it just leaves everything in limbo. And, and You you don't want to just bring in Shafis for half a season or half a season plus and and have him also feel like he's in that same position.
2: Which is why I think it it makes sense for them to make a decision about Matias's future sooner rather than later because that helps them start building for whatever is, is next and next steps.
1: And I, I would definitely agree with that. You know, I, I Alex, I know you and Jamon probably as well. You know, we when we talk to, to other folks around the league, you know, you know, when they ask about San Jose, that's almost question number one, you know, hey, what's the deal with Almeida? What's the deal with Almeida? And, you know, it's uh you know, there's typically, you know, two sort of ending points for coaches you know they either get fired or they get uh, contract extensions and then they get fired you know you don't see a lot of coaches finish out to the last day of their contract clean out their desk and go home and so you know the quakes are getting to that point where the you know the clock is ticking on making a decision making it a a public decision of you know that you have confidence in the coaching staff you want them back you want them to continue to build you know what it is that they're building or that you're going to make a decision that we're going to go to a different direction i think that's that's a big decision chris leach is going to have to make, and I'm sure it's something that he thinks about on a very regular basis. Because you know, his tenure as GM will be defined in in a large part by what he what that first decision is about this coaching staff.
0: So, uh, for, by the way, my uh, my video, my my audio are having issues. So if you guys notice that uh, I'm not doing anything, just feel free to keep talking, Alex. I do know that that you need to run a little bit quicker tonight, but we're also looking like it's another maybe three to four minutes. Before Jamiro Montero is going to hit, I assume you're able to stay at least through the press uh, qu- conference for him.
2: Absolutely, okay. Jamie would not miss it.
0: All right, good. So uh, with that in mind, you know, let's kill another three minutes here. I think there have been a couple things that were interesting in the chat. I'd like to go ahead and uh, take a, take a couple things from uh, from the fan base here. Martin asked a good question. Buddha was the most exciting piece tonight, but why did uh, Almeida bring on Rametti? Was it to hold the draw? I actually have a quick theory on this, which is Rometty had a baby this week and uh, he missed probably a good bit of practice. And I'm not entirely sure that the decision to hold out Rometty from starting tonight was a tactical one. I think part of it was because Matias does put a pretty high priority on players being present, we've seen so many times with international players, for instance, where they don't play when they get back from international break because, well, they weren't there to be able to go over the film. Now, obviously, Marcos uh, Lopez did uh, did play tonight, and Francisco Calvo uh, did play tonight. But you know, what was Matias going to do given the options that were available to him? I think he had no choice. But with Remedy, you know, he could try the Yule Grey gouche experiment. Uh, out and put the two of them in the middle and, and give herme a bit of a break. and uh, you know, so why he came on at the end, I think it was mostly just due to the fact that he wasn't going to start him because uh, he wasn't there in the middle of the week when the game plan was uh, was being communicated with the team. and it's most essential in those central uh, midfielder positions. At least that's my take on it. I don't think Almeida was playing for the draw. Robert. Alex, any theories
1: from your end? I think, you know, you also saw, you know, Cade Cowell is starting to look a little gassed. You know, he was definitely taking on a much more prominent, you know, back, you know back-to-back, know back side-to-side on the field, you know, role, you know, once the Quakes made that adjustment down to nothing. And, um, you know, Rometty comes in and provides a little bit of a safety valve. Sure, you don't want to give up a, a third goal to Austin in the dying moments and lose any of the momentum you've gained. You know, but uh, but I think, I'm not sure Cade would have been able to put in the, the 100% effort over those last uh, five or six minutes. That, uh, that we're going to be required of them. Okay, Go ahead, Alex.
2: I, I think in the last uh, five minutes of the game, Eric Rometty is a guy who can uh, bring on energy and, and sort of be a uh, a guy who can stop things in the defense and also drive the ball forward and in yeah. some counterattacks. So I think it makes sense. I'm not going to pretend to be able to read all of Almeida's substitutions perfectly. Most of the time, they make very little sense to me. Uh, but uh, one thing I did want to touch on uh, briefly uh, before... Uh, we get to Buddha's press conference and before we wrap is it, some of the defensive issues, because I did ask uh, Almeida about this in the press conference, because some of those are still confounding me. You know, they played with uh, a back line that makes sense to me on paper, Marcos Lopez, you have Francisco Calvo, and then you finally get Tanner Beeson back there in the middle, uh, Paul Marie at right back. Uh, I think that's probably their best theoretical uh, back line that, that, that I can think of, and yet they're still allowing. The thank
6: you, everyone, for your patience. Right. We are now joined no by midfielder Jamiro Montero. We can go ahead and jump right into questions with Robert Jonas.
1: Uh, thank you very much for taking my call uh, and my question, too. <laughs> so, another uh, home result where uh, a comeback draw you know, uh, to to rescue a point, you know, kind of made a lot of folks happy in the stands. You know, obviously as players, it it was probably a good feeling to not uh, take the loss. What is it, um, what are you going to take from this game that's going to help you moving forward uh, in terms of momentum, in terms of confidence, in terms of the emotion?
7: Uh, I think this game uh, gave us a lot of uh, confidence. Uh, I think if we start the game like we did on the second half, It would be a a different game Uh, for me. I think if we was playing like 10 minutes more, we would win uh, the game for sure. But uh, I think uh, also uh, what happened with the 1-0, I think we need to be sharper in in that. Uh, And uh, like the the second goal for me, uh, that PK, that was never PK, so yeah.
6: Thank you, Jamira. Let's go over to Alex Morgan.
2: Hi, Jamira. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, It's good to speak with you. Uh, What do you think this team uh, needs to improve in order to score goals uh, from open play? And and specifically, maybe uh, the connection between the midfield and the front line. It still feels like uh, Jeremy Obobese is not getting the ball in the box enough. How do you think that, uh, you know, as the number 10 in there, Uh, you and the rest of the midfield can can help uh, make those connections between you and the front line.
7: Yeah, I think, uh, like, what you say, maybe Jeremy uh, gets a lot of ball, but I think he's also, uh, like, a strong player. So, for me, how I look, sometimes they put, like, two men on him, so it's difficult to play to him. So that's why we we also sometimes we do more crosses. But uh, I think on time, Uh, it will come. Uh, Every game is a different game and uh, I think for Jeremy uh, he just need to continue like looking for the spaces and and, uh, we will find him for sure. So uh, yeah, we have a long season so uh, the space and the goal score, score moments for him
0: will come for sure.
6: Thank you. Let's go to Jamin Moore.
5: Unmuted.
0: Hi, Jamiro. Thank you for uh, talking with us tonight. Uh, when you were in Philadelphia, you had some good young players there, Vernon Aronson being one of the latest ones that uh, has gone on uh, to Europe and been successful. Uh, tonight we saw young players on the earthquakes bring a spark in the second half uh, to be able to help this team, Aseni Buda, um, as well as uh, Nico Securus. What did you feel about the performances of the young players tonight, and, and what's the upside do you think for some of these players, given uh, what, you know, what the young players that you've seen succeed in Major League Soccer before? Thank you.
7: Yeah, for me, uh, like uh, when, the way they, when they get in, uh, for my feeling, the, the game was also changing with uh, the speed of Bruda, the action you have. Uh, that bring a, lot, uh, bring a lot of impact in the game. So uh, and for Nico, the same thing. He, he's, a, he's a midfielder. He see the game. They have good passes, so uh, they, they need to continue like this. I think uh, for them th- this will be uh, uh, this will give them uh, a lot of trust so uh, they need to uh, uh, continue like this and the minutes for them will come so for this for for now it's like it's the beginning they just need to have trust in themselves and uh, keep going like
3: this. Thank you Jamira. We're going to take one final question from Alex Morgan. Uh, Hi, Jamiro. Thank you for taking
2: another question. Uh, I'm curious what the the message uh, has been uh, in the team from the coaching staff about this stretch of games after the international break. Uh, You know, obviously, the opening four games of the season weren't as successful as you guys were hoping or maybe expecting. Uh, So what the mentality that you guys and how you are approaching uh, these next run of games that, that seem very important for the team?
7: uh for for the team and how everybody's thinking uh, and how i see it i see like everybody's hungry uh we we won our first, first win and um many more but uh for now like i said uh the season is still long but uh we need to like how we play today in the second half, if we keep this line uh i, I, I for sure the, the 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 winning the winnings will come and uh, I see the hunger in the team. I see the hunger in the coach and like how he talked to us. He gave us a lot of motivation and trust. He trusts in us. And that's what we needed. And uh, we will bring that for sure in the game. It will come for sure.
3: Yeah.
6: All right. Thank you very much, Jamiro. And uh, thank you everyone for joining us.
0: Okay. Robert, uh... Good bit to chew on there from Jamiro. He's very, uh, you know, brief with his comments, and so uh, they tend to go uh, pretty quickly. But uh, you know, I think uh, I think he did a good job, you know, answering our questions tonight. So um, I'll kick it to you first. Uh, what did you feel about uh, Jamiro's response?
1: It echoed something Mateos talked about. You know that you know no one on the coaching staff was happy. The players aren't happy with this kind of result. Um, you know, that was uh, d- directly the response to my question about, you know, what do you build off of in a game like this? And, you know, he didn't really kind of want to look at the future. There was still sort of a bit of anger that he just, this didn't, you know, this result was there for them, especially the way they played in the second half. But if you only play 45 minutes of soccer, you know, you might not get those three points, especially if you put yourself in a hole like they did. So that was uh, an interesting response. And is kind of happy and relaxed, as we've seen Montero in some of his previous interviews. Interviews. So a little more determined was something I noticed.
0: Alex, we're going to let you run here pretty quickly. Uh, I know that you got to go, but a couple of uh, uh, questions uh, for Jamiro from you tonight. You know, what did you what did you take from one Jamiro's performance and, and also his uh, his uh, answers to your questions?
2: Look, Jamin, I don't think that, that one half of soccer uh, is good enough. I, I, I think that uh, the, the tendency is going to be to look back on this one. Uh, with more rose-colored glasses because of the finish. But uh, I don't want to ignore or forget the first half because the first half was not good enough, and the Quakes need to be approaching these games uh, more proactively on the front foot. Uh, and if they have the hunger and they have the desire, then they need to be showing that for a full 90 minutes uh, because right now they're they're slipping further behind the rest of the the Western Conference. And look, these next few games are crucial. They're playing Houston Dynamo. Uh, they're playing Nashville. They're playing Seattle Sounders. Those are all teams that are in the playoff mix in, uh, you know, the Western Conference. So these are games in which they need results uh, in order to to keep their playoff hopes uh, alive in order for uh, Matias Almeida in this roster to show uh, that they have that hunger and desire and, and still believe in themselves.
0: Alex, thanks for joining us tonight and uh, best wishes. And we will be catching up with you this week. Thanks, John. So Robert, uh, let's wrap this up here fairly soon. Uh, there's uh, there was a, a couple uh, questions out here. I think we uh, still needed to probably get to. Uh, Martin asked the question, "What's the background to Buddha?" And I did want to give a, a quick answer there. So, uh, you know, uh, one of the things uh, that uh, Asani Buddha is known for is he came from the Right to Dream program, uh, which the Athletic recently has run an excellent article about. And also, if you uh, look on the Stanford. Uh, website. They did a whole article on Aseni Buddha. He comes from Burkina Faso. Uh, John Jay uh, answered part of the questions there, and uh, and he came in through Stanford through the Right to Dream program. It's an excellent program. It's a nonprofit. Uh, they've done a good job placing players into uh, academies, in effect, or into colleges to further their education. Some of them turn into pro players. Some of them go on to professional careers. And the organization claims that it doesn't matter to them where the player ends up, but they want to give them opportunities to succeed. There has been some leadership changes that have happened there. And we'll see with these leadership changes, whether they continue uh, to have the same set of values. But the new leadership has come in and said that they will uh, just uh, put more resources into what has already been proven to be successful around him. Asani Buddha uh, was a huge key tonight, uh, you know, for, for the earthquakes Robert, I think it's very clear that uh, when the Quakes took him in the draft, they were very fortunate to do so. I actually reheard this week um, the interview uh, that uh, that was uh, that was done with him uh, earlier uh, in the season uh, and at uh, right Ever he was drafted, and it, it was uh, really uh, reminded me about uh, this particular player and the kind of the luck that happened for the Earthquakes to get him. Uh, In the eighth spot, he was projected to be in the top five in the draft. And it really seems to be that kind of player who can really uh, bring a spark and he's getting more comfortable now uh, on the MLS pitch in his second appearance.
1: Yeah, and I think adding to that from the folks I've talked to that have seen him practice and train and, you know, the kind of the day-to-day behavior you know, activities, you know, you know, exceptional character, uh, which is, you know, always, you know, good to endear yourself uh, with your teammates, with your coaching staff, someone who you know, seems very hungry to get, you know, more and, and take this opportunity as much as possible and not just be thankful that he's made it to this level, but really looking at it as, okay, what do I do next? What do I do next? And so when, when you have younger players newer players to the organization that are able to, to show that you know he doesn't have the advantage of playing as often with you know you know the academy kids and, and some of the other players that have had more kind of touches with the, the coaching staff up and down the organization he's making a great impression in, in the short time that he has been here and having him local I know has allowed folks to keep uh, kind of keep tabs on him but now that they're seeing him on again that day-to-day basis there's a lot of impressed uh, folks behind the scenes.
0: His followers dwarf mine, but if you're not following Robert Jonas, please <laughs> follow him at Robert Jonas. He has many years head start on me on Twitter, and it shows. I'm quite jealous uh, of his follower count. So uh, let's uh, do final thoughts here, Robert. But before we do, I want to remind everyone about the Patreon. One of the things that uh, I just want to let uh, people know is that we're coming into the time where uh, we did uh, we started up our, our annual Um, uh, option for when people uh, subscribe to the Patreon or if you're a monthly and you'd rather move to an annual option. uh, We had some people uh, start to take advantage of that around this time next year. So uh, if you're an annual patron, please uh, just check out and make sure that everything is set up properly uh, around your renewal and and, and such. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to myself or Patel. Uh, and uh, on the quakes Center uh, DM, um, if necessary, if you're not in the Slack, or reach out to us on Slack, and we will uh, try to get those answers to you as quickly as possible about the Patreon. Thank you to everyone. We are still uh, over the 150 mark uh, for the season, and uh, we are uh, we are looking pretty good there. We have some travel that we want to be able to do. I'm hoping to be able to cover the game uh, in May up in Vancouver, and uh, it's something I'm going definitely going to try to do. So. Every little bit that uh, that you're giving right now is going to determine how much away coverage we will be able to do this season, in addition to the many other things that we already do uh, and the costs that we already incur, as well as things that we'd like to do in the future, such as a live show. We were talking the other day about what it would take to do a live show and be able maybe around the Cali Classical or something like that and be able to, to meet people in person and be able to do a show with fans present And there would be a good bit of cost associated to doing a show like that, whether you rent the equipment, you buy the equipment, either way, there's a good bit of costs. And so our ability to potentially do something like that also uh, is uh, something that if you enjoy independent coverage of the San Jose Earthquakes, our coverage of the press conference and the things that we write, uh, Robert has been doing a column uh, as often as possible, uh, sometimes every week, sometimes every other week, but, but we're getting them in there. Uh, uh, and uh, Robert, uh, doing a regular column this year is one of the the new things that we are doing at Quakes Epicenter. So if you can, if you're able to and you want to support independent coverage of the San Jose Earthquakes, you know, please uh, subscribe. Two dollars gets you in. Uh, Five dollars will uh, get you access to the Slack and access to things like the midweek press conference video and and such. OK, Robert, final thoughts from you tonight from PayPal
1: Park. Yeah, absolutely, I'm going to stick with a uh, my my word of the night is momentum. Um, we heard the player uh, Montero. We'd heard uh, Mateus talk about you know the second half performance, and um, as Alex said, you know if that's a performance they can pull for 90 minutes instead of just 45 minutes, then you know results will definitely begin to to go in their way more often than not. So they've got to build off that momentum of that success. Um, momentum also uh, applies to the forwards scoring goals. You know, yes, it was Jeremy from the spot. Kate Cal on a, on another set piece opportunity, but those are two guys that get their first goals of the season. And as we know, a lot of players, and I feel uh, Jeremy Bobasi is probably in this category, you know, can, you know, kind of ride that wave when it comes. And 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 the Quakes, uh, you know, hopefully be able to take advantage of that as well. And then lastly, it's, uh, you know, just to that point, shots on goal. We saw some shots on goal tonight, which is a big plus. You know, Nico taking a shot on goal, even though it was a low percentage scoring opportunity. You don't, uh, you don't make, you don't score goals if you're not taking shots. And so, seeing some guys take those chances was was a big plus. You know, sort of getting off of that snide of not having a, a goal from the run of play would be the next uh, level to see them uh, achieve. Maybe in this game against Houston coming up. You know, but that would be a wonderful way to get to keep the momentum rolling in a way that you know can again provide more encouragement that this team can do uh do better than the two points in five games
0: yeah so for me the uh you know the again the takeaway and i've I've already said this earlier in the show but uh, for anyone arriving late my takeaway was this was the real first game of the season because the players were finally set up in a place for them to be able to succeed and i think that they showed progress tonight so it didn't all come together all the time but you did see two expected goals Coming out of the run of play, so even setting the penalty aside, you know, two expected goals is an amount that will win you most games that you play in MLS. And so there was improvement, and uh, that is something that uh, you know I think is the encouraging part going forward. Is if the players continue to get the chance to play in positions where they are comfortable, I think those connections are going to come. Uh, I did. See a lot of off the ball movement tonight. I thought that was uh, good to see a lot more off the ball movement. And I think that that's a good reason why some things looked a bit dangerous and, you know, did in some cases result in shots. And in the case of uh, of a couple situations, you know, created the penalty or uh, were they able to get the goal out of the corner? We're still not seeing those chances come in those kind of high probability open play chances that we want to see. And so that's the next. Step forward for this team. I think those off the ball runs, though, they need to keep doing those. I think that's a big part of it. Another thing that uh, that, uh, you know, I think there was a Quakes 2 question that came up Uh, for anyone who uh, who doesn't know uh, Quakes 2. uh, I read an article coming from Alex Cabello, the coach of that team. They are playing a little bit different style than Matias Almeida. They're not playing the man marking style. They're playing a bit uh, differently in the attack. And the style is something that's a little bit closer to what the academy does. It does have some of Matias Almeida's pressing philosophy, 1v1 philosophy mixed in. But if you want to see what something like that looks like, I recommend turning into MLSNextPro.com uh, tomorrow night. Quakes 2 will uh, we'll be playing tomorrow night. I believe they're in Houston, if I remember right, which is where the Quakes will be uh, playing next week. Uh, next weekend. So, uh, you know, Quicks 2 uh, against Houston, uh, I would tune in and, and take a look at that. They uh, were excellent against Timbers 2 this past week. Um, also had a couple um, couple ex- expected goals uh, and two actual goals uh, in that game. Uh, and one from the run of play as well, as well as a, a cheeky uh, penalty finish. Uh, the, uh, the the Penanca type of finish, uh, Robert. So uh, the cheekier type. So, You know, my recommendation is to check them out. I do think that there's some exciting things going on there. And we did hear that we could see some of the players who don't play on Saturday, potentially play on Sunday. But right now Alex Cabello has got a pretty good uh, team out there that doesn't include much in the way of first team players, but you want to see Emmy Ochoa, you want to see Casey Walls. You want to see some of these younger homegrowns that are not, uh, you know, getting the, getting the game time uh, for the Quakes one team. On Saturday, check them out on Sunday, usually the following day. Go to MLSnextPro.com in order to be able to get the schedule. Thank you for joining me tonight, Robert, from the stadium. Always good to have you. It must be nice to just come on here and just run your mouth as compared to having a post game deadline. I know this is something in your many years of covering soccer that you are used to having to do. And instead, it's just like, hey, get on and say whatever you want to say. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Riding leads before the final whistle has always been tenuous and uh, I've been burned multiple times for many, many years. So this is, uh, it's, it's quite relaxing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you look relaxed. Thanks for uh, doing it again. Everyone, thank you for tuning you. in tonight. That's our show. And for Alex Morgan, for Robert Jonas, I'm Jamin Moore. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, have a good rest of your evening.